Welcome everyone to this episode of Journalist Talk and today with me I have PJ Shahamad and he's a production engineer at KCRW and also a grad student at CSUN. Welcome PJ. Thank you for having me. Of course and as I do with all my guests can you please give a brief bio about yourself? Yeah um, so I was an undergrad at CSUN. I, I actually majored in marketing with a, with a minor in broadcast journalism, but then I decided to continue uh, journalism in, or focus on journalism in grad school. Um, and so that's what I'm, I'm currently, currently uh, pursuing journalism in grad school, and I work as a production engineer at KCRW, where I um, work on shows like Good Food, Bookworm, and Global Beats Mexico. And how would you say journalism came into your life? Journalism came into my life um, in a few different ways. Uh, I was a consumer of journalism for the majority of my life up until um, I declared my minor in broadcast journalism. I wanted to be a part of CSUN's radio, um, and you're not able to uh, contribute in any way unless you're part of the broadcast journalism department. Uh, so my dad's like, hey, you want to do uh, radio stuff? Like, why don't you just declare this as a minor? It's like not that much more. I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind doing that. I like, I like learning stuff. So that's how, I, that's how it came into my life as, a, as a, someone that contributes to journalism. But I've been watching like Vice documentaries, like, like when I was in high school, like, I was watching those like every day when I'd go home. So it's always been like kind of present in my life in that sense. I know they have a lot of experience with audio, video, and this type of backstage part of journalism. Why is that? Is something that you used to do like as a kid or? So yeah, I, I mainly got into editing because I, I like the technical aspect of just like completing a task. Like I, lo I loved math growing up because it was just like point A to point B, get to point B. That's kind of how editing feels for me. It's because it's a very, it, I know how it's supposed to sound and then, or how it's supposed to look. And it's just finding ways to get to that point B. I got into audio editing because, um, I mean, I, I, I play music a little bit too. So I, I had this program called uh, Ableton where I would just make like beats on and it kind of taught me the ropes of kind of how to edit audio not really edit but it was like kind of gave me it kind of gave me an insight on what these programs can do and then when i was in uh my undergrad and my one of in my documentary filmmaking course it, they taught me how to edit video and i just figured that also translates to audio as well so that's kind of how i got into editing video and audio is just like making beats and then <laughs> and then getting into getting into that from there. You like me were doing the same course like masters in mass communication. Why did you want to pursue your masters? Is that any final goals in your career and why you're taking it? I really want to get into the NPR style of reporting and mainly really the thing I would love to pursue or to get into is tiny desk concert, recording bands, interviewing bands, because uh, music has been such like a present thing in my life that I want to pursue that. I want to be in that field. 
And I want to assure whatever employer that I go to, I want to assure them that I am qualified for that position or qualified to do that. Uh, not, it's not just like, oh, you just have like a minor in broadcast journalism and oh, you just kind of did some stuff at your school newspaper when you're in undergrad and you like recorded some people in, in that case here at LV. I want them to know that like I have like the background to do that field. Uh, it's just so that that second piece of paper will go a long way for me, I guess. Yeah, you did in two things that I saw in your LinkedIn that I want to ask. Because LinkedIn is the best source for interviews that I've ever used in my whole life. And I saw that you already had an internship or something at NPR, right? You did sound engineering there. Yeah, so that is for, that was for the next-gen program. Um, so in my undergrad, I, I still do work for them, actually. But um, in my undergrad, uh, the next-gen program came to CSUN. And I applied to be a part of it, and they asked me to be an apprentice for the program, um, where I learned a lot. I worked with um, some really great producers and um, some just great students as well. And it taught me, it gave me an insight of like how to like produce pieces in an NPR fashion. Um, and from then on, I, I got, I, I like kept on talking to Doug, and Doug is the the, the creator of, of the Next Gen program, and he invited me back to do some to do some stuff for the Next Gen program. So I've worked on their Tampa, Florida episode and their Oregon episode as well. That was cool. That's a really fun way to like meet other people that are coming up and also uh, working in like NPR as well. And you also said about the work that you're doing for the Sundial. I saw that you do one or two podcasts, right, for them. Yeah, so I used to do a podcast uh, where I would do something similar to what you do. I interview journalists about their pieces. It was more focused on their on a specific piece that they did recently, um, not just like a day in the life of a journalist. Um, so that was the first podcast I did. Another podcast I did was called Suggestion Box, um, where I interviewed staff members on campus and I asked them if they had any anything that they would think that they think what CSUN could do to help better the students and the staff. Um, and then the other one I did was called Sunset Sessions, where I invite like local bands in. I like set them up, record them, interview them, make a video out of that. And that is the most fun one. I love that you did like literally three different projects. They don't like connecting anyways. It's really cool, this broad, broad portfolio that you put together. And you said that it was the most fun, the last one. That's what I was going to ask. But the one that you produced more, that you were more proud of, is the same one or is one of the other two? Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to be more proud of the one that I like the most, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, the other two, I definitely think, have their space in what they do. Uh, I just, I mean, I like, I like bands, interviewing bands. It's fun to record. It's fun to mix them. So I, you know, I, that is the thing that I will say I'm the most proud of because I've gotten some pretty cool people to come in, like this guy named Ritra from, he used to, he used to be part of Odd Future. Uh, he came in and did like a session for us and like a bunch of bands that I just like love that I think are fantastic and they sound awesome too. So it's, that's what I really am the most proud of. 
There you go. No shame on that. <laughs> we all have like stuff that we're really proud of. <laughs> <laughs> and you also, are you still an audio editor for The Sundial? Yeah, so I am still the audio editor at The Sundial. In that sense, I don't produce as much podcasting now. I mainly just do that one video, and then I also help out with um, students that want to do podcasts, and I kind of help guide them to you know, get to where they want to be. So that is the main thing. Uh, I It's usually just like a start them on like a subject or like a an angle and then expand from there. You're um, like an audio consultant. Yeah, I'm a consultant. <laughs> um, <laughs> we love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just help them, help guide them. So it's not just like a, I like to call it like Joe Roganing it, where you just like step in a booth, talk about nothing for like, three hours and then call it a day and then just like throw it into the world and expect it to be like consumed by the masses. I like to have, if people don't know, haven't had any prior experience, I just like to give, help them get to a point where they have like some experience that is like marketable to some people, like get a little bit of editing in or like just get them better at uh, interviewing. So that's kind of how I see my job being. Yeah. And you can explain how you do this job at the Sundial, like, in a daily basis. What do you do at KCRW on a daily basis as a production engineer? At KCRW, I do recordings mainly. Uh, so I go in and I just I record the, the host and whatever guest is coming in that day. Um, for That's for the most part. But I also do some some mixing and editing. So I make sure that we get everything up to just, like, proper levels, um, which is just, it's just the nitty gritty of, of being, of doing audio, making sure things aren't sounding bad. I just make sure things sound good on like a content and a mixing perspective so that people aren't like, you know, people don't listen to it and they're like, oh man, this is like hurting my ears right now. Like I don't want, I don't want to listen to this because it sounds so bad. I make sure that it sounds good in that sense. That's great. I, I bet people thank you for sparing their years. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are your goals in this career that you're building for yourself with background in marketing, broadcast, and LMS communication? So I haven't really, honestly, I haven't really thought about how to apply my marketing background. Um, it's really the the broadcast and mass communications that I'd like to I'd like to hone in on with the two I mean I as I mentioned before I would really just like to be in the um, the field of just interviewing bands and interviewing people interviewing people that I think are like worth interviewing I yeah. guess which is such a <laughs> it sounds so bad to say that out loud but um, but like interviewing people that I think are like really interesting and really um, just like pique my interest, I guess. I think that's a better way of saying that. Because I mean, I, I mean, everybody loves, everybody wants to talk to their heroes and I want to do that for a living, I guess. And that's kind of my, that's kind of what I want to work towards, I guess. Yeah. I feel like journalists, they have like this opportunity to go there and just like, you know what, I'm going to be buddies with my auto. Yeah. Like I can, I have like this power. But okay, changing the... Um, the question instead of like career goals what are your band goals to interview or singers i don't know yeah like top three yeah <laughs> it's a hard question because my like favorites are always changing i guess <laughs> um, 
It's okay. I can decide in a yeah. favorite. So that's why I gave it like a top three. Yeah, I mean, it used <laughs> to be it used to be Kanye or Ye, um, but that's kind of taken a bit of a not so much anymore. <laughs> I think I really like to talk to big producers out there right now. Like I think Kenny Beats would be really a really interesting guy to talk to. He's so good at what he does, and I, I just. I think he's really interesting. I think Rick Rubin is really interesting. And then I, I have to like, I would want to talk to uh, one of my favorite like high school groups. There's a guy named uh, Chet Faker that I really like. And I would like to talk to him. All three of those guys I think are just like really good at what they do. And I just would, li would like to pick their brain, I guess, about how they operate when making stuff. Would you consider like doing any personal projects on that or you just want to like work at some big broadcasting company do you have any personal projects that you wanted to do when i graduate because i won't be able to work on it anymore i want to continue my band sessions my personal projects are what i do for a living i guess which is not healthy i guess <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I want to continue the band sessions. I, I would like to do that of my own, like by myself, because that sounds fun. I would also, I have a bunch of gear, like just music gear that I, that sits in my corner that I don't use that much because I'm like so busy with work. I would rather, I, I would like to just use that to do like something. So that sounds, I think those two things would be something that I would want to, to do. I guess. You love music, but you came like to the other side of music, like you came to audio producing and interviewing and stuff. Why haven't you become a musician? Because I'm not a good songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mentioned earlier like the A to B thing, um, going from point A to point B. I think music is really fluid in the sense of like they've worked towards it, but they're good at songwriting and they and they work towards that and that's what they're good at. I like playing, I like doing all that stuff. I just don't think I'm good at it to the point where I can be a musician, I guess. Um, I, I mean, I've played all my life, but I'm just not, I don't think that I ever dedicated myself fully to that craft to where I can like feel worthy of being a musician. I what guess. do you play? Um, I played piano when I was a kid and I'm relearning that now. I played drums when I was a kid. I'm not relearning that, but it's I but it's it was fun. I play a little guitar and I play some bass as well. That's nice. Yeah. You're a whole band and just yourself. Yeah, I'm a one man I'm a one man <laughs> uh not good band. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean we cannot be everything. Yeah. Yeah. In which ways do you expect to impact people with your work in broadcasting so part of the thing that i do with um the next gen program i think this is probably the most impactful work that i've done um i mean i haven't done the work but i've definitely assisted with doing the work the program focuses on working with journalists of color they they prioritize journalists of color over over other people. And I think that is probably like the most impactful thing that I've done. And I do want to continue doing that. Um, because there's a huge there's a massive space for it. There's there's a space for it that just isn't, you know, put out to the world because a lot of journalists just look are white, you know. Um I, I, I but like these voices, the perspectives of people of color are really vital to listen to because when you hear a white perspective for however long, like... So I think that route is probably my most 
impactful stuff that I would like to do and continue doing. And how would you do that? I think, oh, I still, I mean, I still work for the program, so just continue. I mean, outside of the program. <laughs> outside of the program. I think still just, I think right now what I can do with it as like someone, currently what I can do with it is just assisting the people outside of the program that have been a part of that program because there is this huge Slack channel I'm a part of. I think that's the best way I can think of right now. Other ways I honestly I can't think of, but I, I try to do that. I try to help people in like CSUN's program as much as I can. Like I don't charge people at CSUN because they're students usually. <laughs> so like I like, I think that's like my way of doing that. And you mentioned uh, earlier a little bit about documentaries and that side of like audio production, which is mainly like video. Wouldn't you want to do something in front of the cameras or just like work on this other side of broadcasting, going more to like TV yeah. broadcasting? It's funny, video broadcasting does not interest me one bit for some reason. It like ABC and NBC, totally like valid programming totally valid like perspectives. I think what I really like, I don't like just hard news. I think I like stories a lot. Um, and I think that's the perspective that I love from NPR, the part where it's not hard news from Vice News. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's really what it is. I mean, if it was, if the video was story-based, like the PBS programming, I think it trusts me, honestly. But like, I don't see that much I get. I mean, this is just me from my perspective that I, where I haven't even like tried to indulge in that kind of programming. But you know, like when I graduate and I can't find a job, uh, then and they're like, "Hey, come fork video." I'll be like, "Okay." So, um, you know, beggars can't be choosers in that situation. We're all about trying to find jobs. Yeah. So you know, that's uh, where I'm at. I'm, I'm somewhere. Yeah. You're in between point A to point B. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Almost there. I think you're almost graduating grad school, right? Yeah, uh, in spring of 2023. Yay. So you have a base of like what you want to do in your thesis already? I do. So I'm focusing on the the representation of MENA, Middle East and North African people. Initially it was focused on their representation in the census because they're we have they have to check we have to check off that we're white. I'm I'm Iranian. I'm part of the MENA. We have to check off that we're white because um, we're Caucasian, technically. I get it because Brazilians, they sometimes are not considered Latinos. Really? When I put, like, in some, some like, forms. Because uh, sometimes they have, like, listed all the countries. They yeah. speak Spanish. Yeah. And then I have to put others in yeah. my Brazilian. I'm like, it's, it, but it, I'm Latino. <laughs> yeah, it feels very, it feels very, like, like they're excluding. Yeah. It feels like a very excluding thing. Yeah. So it's it's the it's the misrepresentation of like having to identify as white. And then that kind of expanded weirdly into like how Middle Eastern people perceive themselves sometimes because uh, from the people I've talked to, some of them are like, yeah, I am not I am not white. like I'm absolutely not white. I'm like definitely like a person of color. And then I talked to a few other people. And they're like, I don't know if I'm white. Like, I feel like I'm kind of white, and I feel like I'm kind of not white. And then I'm trying to get my fourth interview, but there's there are people out there that are like, I'm I'm white. Like I I like I I consider myself white, and I identify with like the white. It's really interesting when people do that because I don't consider 
personally, I, this is my opinion, I don't consider Middle Eastern people or people in MENA as whites. I think they're far from it. White people don't get stopped at the airport. White people don't. Um, they're not like targeted because of their race or religion. White people go go through life on easy mode. So. Yeah. <laughs> You heard. If you identify as Amina, contact me and I'm going to put you in contact with BJ. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and also, like, more towards the end of our conversation, if you have any mentors, uh, what was the advice that they gave you and it stuck with you, like, so far? So with the mentors that I've had, it's not, like, individual pieces of information that have really stuck with me. It's how they, it's how, it's, it's kind of mimicking their behavior, which has kind of stuck with me. It's like thought process. Because when I was an intern at KCRW, I tried to be a sponge. You know, I tried to, I tried to absorb as much as possible. It's really just like trying to just take in as much as I could, mimic as much as I could. I think like uh, one thing that has stuck with me was there was, there was um, a host for Greater LA, Steve Chiotakis. I was talking to him and he says, he said that like, I, he's just like, a, he's just constantly very interested in, in things. things. Like he's always questioning things. He's always trying to figure out like, what is, what's why, like the why of things. And he's, and he's such a smart guy. And I think that is something that kind of stuck with me. I think that's personally the advice that I heard like, throughout my podcast, the one that I like the most. Because my mom calls me annoying when I ask, like, the why of everything. Yeah. And I know that she's hearing because she always <laughs> listens to my podcast and she cannot say no. But all the time that I'm like, but why? But yeah. why? And I feel like that's, like, something that a journalist was born with. We just want to know the why of things. Yeah. It's literally, like, my life is asked why, what, where, who. Like, yeah. literally everything. And it's just, like, something that it was born with us I yeah. feel like I had to work towards it to be honest I like you know I was told I've been told some stuff I was fun I was talking to my friend this is when I was an undergrad and he's just like he someone just told you something like insanely interesting and you're just like anyway but on to the next thing and I'm just and like and I'm like you're right um so I had to work towards like the like why is that interesting like what's the why like What's the context of that? I mean, it's good. Now you've got the, the thing of the why. Yeah. And for our last uh, question, what advice would you give to non-white students, broadcasters out there that they are trying to make it in the business? For, to be an intern, you have to know your place. <laughs> <laughs> to be an intern at like a... Because like I went in as an intern knowing that I don't know everything knowing that I'm there to learn. And I was there with the intention of doing and learning as much as I can, and then making myself as present and as known as possible with the people that I, I work with. And just getting good at what you do also, like practice. I mean, I was decent. I had like an idea of how to edit audio and all that. Wasn't really as good as I am. I'm not nearly as good as I am right now. I'm not as good as like, other people at the at KCRW either it's like it ties back to just like constantly learning you know just being mm -hmm. a learning a person that is in a world and understands that you don't know everything great job it's very smart so here's the advice 
And right now, I just wanted to thank you, PJ, for coming to my podcast and talking to me a little bit about you and your journey to broadcasting. And for everyone here, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.